Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to have Emma Stenström with me. Welcome to my podcast, Emma. Thank you. Emma Stenström is an associate professor and center director for the Research Center for Arts, Business and Culture at Stockholm School of Economics. And she's also one of the founders and teachers in the new track, Global Challenges, that is reforming business education. And I think this is extremely interesting. Why don't we go ahead and talk about these global challenges and what you're doing in the business education? Mm -hmm. I love to. I think it's also very important and it's uh, I think it's one of the major things I've done in my life and uh, I've done at the business school where I've been for many many years but this is the I think the biggest reform. So what we're doing is that we from the very first day when the students start we are telling them that there are global challenges in the world and what you learn here in the business school We hope to give you tools that you can help to address those global challenges. So the very first semester, we're starting with telling them, like sharing knowledge about these challenges and about the sustainable development goals that the United Nations has set up. And then we invite lots of guest speakers and we're talking about things like climate change, poverty, you know, stress, um, lots of different, different issues. So the first semester is called Knowing knowing about these global challenges. Mm -hmm. Second semester, we're, we're running a track. So they have all the ordinary courses that you have at all business schools. But this is like on top of that, and it's really connecting everything else they learn at the business school. Uh, and it is compulsory. It's compulsory. Mm -hmm. All mm -hmm. students go through this. Mm -hmm. So we actually, what we've done is that we lowered every lessened every other course. Mm -hmm. uh, they still get the same amount of studies in the course, but we put this like on top of everything else they do because we do think it's so important. It's in, and it's really integrating everything else. Mm -hmm. And then, well, the second semester we're talking about like who's doing something about it uh, and what can be done. So then we're talking about institutions, international collaboration. Mm -hmm. We're talking a lot, of course, about what businesses can do. Mm -hmm how businesses can actually also make a business case out of addressing these global challenges. Mm. And of course, a lot about social entrepreneurship. Mm. And many of our students are, of course, interested in that mm. today. They want to do good. Eh? They, they want to run businesses, but they want to run them with, of course, profits as a purpose, but also other purposes. Mm. So that is like, mm -hmm. it's all about that. Uh, and then Give music to my ears. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like this is what the yeah. students want. This is what the we find that the, actually all the employers they want students with that kind of knowledge, and this is what the world needs. So it's really like a win-win. It's the only question is like, yeah. why did it take so long? Yeah. Why did it? Why take did it take so long? Like you I, you know, when I started in 1984, mm. myself at the business school, mm. I felt like this is what was needed, and it's like, mm. you know, and it's. And also the resistance, because we have met a lot of resistance. And, and that is, to me, sometimes it's very, it's a strange, you know, I can't really understand that. 
the third semester, we're addressing themselves, the inner sustainability, mm-hmm. being in business, as we call it, or being in organizations. Mm-hmm. So the issues of being, because we really believe that you need to be in peace with yourself too, and you need, really need to kind of do things that you value uh, to actually make a difference in the world too. And that is new and also controversial sometimes, but the students like it in general. Why, why would it be controversial? That is so interesting. I don't know. We've been so good. I think, yeah, I can come back to that later, but I felt that when I was at business school myself and all these years I've been teaching business, it's like, you know, sometimes we don't address those existential questions as if we weren't human beings, as if organizations weren't built up Know, through relationships and mm. through, I don't know, we're afraid of that. It's yeah. too like subjective, some, too, yeah. you know, emotional. So you on somewhere yeah. else. Uh, yeah. mm. Or maybe not. You know, sometimes it's also like we want to, you know, sometimes I hear people say, no, but yeah, come on, we want people that are insecure, overachievers, don't address those things in business schools, you know. But it's, yeah, it's so fascinating to work with. And then the fourth semester, these two first years they study, they're actually doing, you know, really taking action, mm. expressing, doing projects. So that's what we're going to do in the spring. Mm-hmm. And they have tons of videos starting companies, NGOs, but also performances, uh, just like doing things. But so many of the students, our students are very action oriented. Mm. So now when they've learned about the you know, challenges, they've learned about what can be done, they really kind of address what do they want to do, mm-hmm. then it's time to take action. So we, like all our students are going to do that mm-hmm. in the spring. Is this, uh, when did you start this? This is, the, well, we started a year and a half ago, year not even that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took the decision back in, I think, 2011. Mm-hmm. So it's just taken forever, you know. Okay. And then, you know, we needed to raise funds to do that. We have a foundation that actually supports this. And then mm-hmm. changing the whole, it's, it's a big system to change a university. Mm-hmm. And also we had to inform all the students applying and also like, and get everyone aboard on faculty. And this is the thing we do also, mm-hmm. we teach together like economics and business and all different sub-disciplines. Mm-hmm. And then we bring in a lot of people from other disciplines. And mm-hmm. of course, I always bring in arts and humanities and lots of medicine, psychology, all different actually sciences meet because we need to collaborate to address these challenges. I can appreciate the anchoring kind of challenge, but at the same time, who would have anything against it in the sense that it makes the studies and everything they do mm. so much more relevant mm. and interesting mm. and, and puts it into a context. Mm. And plus maybe they will discover something, as you say, about themselves, which will make them maybe change a little bit their direction and end up in the right place. Mm. Well, I think, I mean, there are different pockets of resistance, I think. Mm. It's everything from, um, well, we should be doing what we've always done, and this is this really relevant? It's, isn't this too much, like, do should business be doing good? You know, should we just make profits? Of course, there's parts there. Is this something that's politically correct? Is this adding, and they're already working hard, is this adding to that? hard-working students. I mean, I can understand that. So is uh, the number of hours studying is increasing uh, by... It is. Okay. Of course it is. It is. It is, for sure. 
do people, are they too young, are they too old? I mean, we get old, it's kind of different. Mm. But I, I was actually in London last week. Um, there aren't so many business schools that are doing similar things. I think we're one of the forerunners, I would say, definitely here in Sweden, but also in the world, I would even say. Uh, London School of Economics and Political mm -hmm. Science, they've been running a similar program called LSE 100 that all their undergrads have to go through. And I was just meeting with them last week and they were saying, you know, it takes a few years to really kind of get all the old students out of the system and actually get acceptance for these kind of changes. Uh, New York University Stern Business School mm. running similar program for all their students called Social Impact Core. Also having, you know, um, but it's always like that. You know, I think change, you do need some resistance. Mm. It's tough, but it's... It's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And I've been at the business school now for 25 years. Mm. 30 years, if you count, when I started myself, more than 30 years. Mm. And oof, I don't even want to count. But yeah, I think this is the mm. absolutely most important thing that has happened. And uh, I know that you've done a lot of um, research and studies over the years in the kind of intersection between yeah business school studies typical you know subjects but also uh, kind of crossing it with art uh, the creative parts mm -hmm. why did you go and look there exactly in that <laughs> intersection and i mean we're talking like 20 years ago already mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. what drove you to that very place well i think i have the honest answer is that of course there's a personal reason for that mm -hmm. but it it actually connects to what i said before i mm. i come from a family where mm. culture arts humanities those were the important things in life mm -hmm. business that was something that was kind of shallow mm -hmm. kind of materialistic like how why would you go into that so when i applied to business school i was you know, after i finished the gymnasium, as it's called here. I applied to business school. My father was so upset. He wanted to deport me to France so I could <laughs> study something important at Sorbonne and you know, just not going to business school. Uh, I remember the first summer when I came to visit him and my mother at their summer house, and he said to a friend, this is my only child. I'm the only child too. She's studying at the business school. She might as well be a drug and addict and a prostitute. <laughs> That was how bad he felt it was. Oh and of God. course, and I do think that's that's part of the answer too. And I was surprised. So I was in business school and, and then in the beginning I felt like maybe I'll just stay for a while and then I stayed like 30 plus years. Because I also like I felt like there was a lot of things to learn and I and I even worked in the bank afterwards for a couple of years after I graduated. My father was like <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of the family almost. <laughs> but at the same time, after having worked in the bank for five years, I really felt like mm, there was something lacking. You know, I could crunch the numbers and I could do the Excel sheets and all the analysis. But I felt like at the business school, we hadn't really addressed mm. what I said before, the existential question about how do you relate to each other? Who am I? All those questions that were really important in the bank. And also, of course, also ethics and moral questions and values and all those questions. So I started studying humanities at the, at the Stockholm University without telling my father, of course. And then I felt like, wow, I was studying literature and I felt like that's really where I learned about things 
but I would have needed a business life. At the same time, as I felt a bit frustrated because I felt like the art sector could also use some of the skills that we had learned in business school. So I went back to do a PhD, which was really about the intersection between arts and business and how you could use artistic, aesthetic knowledge to actually run businesses, but also how you could use business knowledge to make the culture sector flourish, because I think we really need that in society. But also, of course, the conflicts and all that stuff. And, And then I ended up staying in that area for a long time. For five years, I worked as a professor at Konst. It sounds really bad in English. I'm sorry, Konst. Fuck. Which is the <laughs> University <laughs> College of Arts, Design and, and Craft here in, in Stockholm. It's an art school. So for five years, I was actually a professor there. But also like always the same kind of. And I felt like it was so much you could learn, you know, by bringing in some and global challenge is about the same thing like how can we actually use what we learn in business and economics in a sensitive way of course how can we combine it with other kinds of knowledge to actually use it to address global challenges it's the same kind of question i'm i think i'm always working with that question and in recent years i've worked a lot with the medical school too because i do think I love combining humanities, arts, with social sciences, with natural sciences. And I think that is my passion, combining these different forms of knowledge. Because there's so much come out of that. And it's also so rewarding. I don't want the students today to go through the business education without addressing questions about existential questions, which you learn when you study arts and humanities. But at the same time, I also think their knowledge can really be used in other areas. So, yeah, that is my passion. But that's, and, and passion normally produces uh, a result because there is also persistence when you have a passion, right? <laughs> you don't give up, you don't give in. Uh, so, uh, I mean, in that sense, I, I would say congratulations for this important step since one and a half years that you've arrived to this and also uh, to the students that they can take part uh, in this program. I think it's a fantastic uh, achievement. And let's hope that, as you say, other business schools will take in and maybe develop similar programs. But tell me, Emma, going back to you, what turning points in your life have influenced you the most? Hmm. It's a difficult question. I mean, uh, of Hmm. course, there are those private ones, um, like having my child and uh, things like that, Hmm. certainly. I think I've already also addressed some of them, and that is coming from one area of knowledge and going into another one Mm. and that has been like I think that has been a turning point too Mm. bringing what you have with you but then kind of going into a completely different field and then because I think combinations, something Mm. happens there crossing borders in general somehow has been like big uh, turning points I definitely say like a big um personal turning point for me was building like a second home at least in my heart Uh, I moved to Canada in the 80s a first time and then I moved back to Sweden and then I moved back to Canada Mm -hmm. in the 90s and then I moved back to Sweden and now I have a summer house and I'm kind of like going back and forth between Sweden and Canada but I think that adding more than one culture languages I speak French at home, and then it's like you you acquire a new language. 
that is also in a way turning points. Those combination opens up new worlds. Mm. And you can never see the world in the same way. You can't just see the world from a business perspective if you've also studied something else. And uh, for business, for companies or organizations for that matter, what long-term solutions do you believe in? Well, I think it's in a way simple. Like there are no businesses in the long run if we don't address some of these challenges we have today. Mm. There won't be any businesses. So, I mean, it's not going to be any. We don't need to talk about neither business or long term. Because mm. seriously, mm. if we keep on using the resources of the world as we do today, it's not mm. going to be any business. So that's definitely mm. the issues about sustainability. Mm. have They do have to be addressed. I also think there's there's a lot of business cases that can be done. Mm. And of course, there are other challenges that are more maybe social where, you know, we do need to provide basic living for everyone on the planet. Of course, it's a very uneven distribution and that is, we need mm. to address that if we want to build long-term solutions mm. for businesses and all organizations. Mm. So for me, that is, you know, that is, mm. if we don't contribute, all of us, mm. in different ways that forget about It's not going to be any long-term business. And, and what do you think we need to do um, in companies, for example, to create that momentum? Mm. I think we're seeing it a lot more today, which is great. I do think, once again, I you know, I think there's a lot of business to be made to. This is not something you do just good. I do think we need to collaborate. I think mm. I do believe a lot in collaboration and. Mm creating shared value, that kind of thinking too. Mm. And of course, we also need, you know, there's businesses one sector, but we do, of course, all sectors. We also need governments, we need politicians, we need governance structures, mm. regulations, we need lots of other things in place too. Mm. And also a civil sector that's thriving and, you know, And, and, and engaging people. So there, it has to be collaboration over sectors for sure. It's not only businesses' role. But we're seeing so many good examples now. Mm. Tell me, I mean... Well, but do we know where we're sitting? We, like we're sitting here, for example, Norrskjön mm. Foundation making this podcast today. Isn't that, that's an initiative that I think is actually addressing these questions. Mm as one of many, of course, but that definitely one example of that. Mm. And you have how many people sitting in at Norrskjön today? There More than 300. More than 300 people. Trying to solve the social issues uh, in, in clever ways. Uh, With digital technology coming in, mm. which is, of course, is creating tremendous opportunities mm. too. Mm. And some challenges, as always, but definitely, you know, we see tons of those examples. Mm. And I think that's fantastic, but also like big industrial companies that are, you know, it's not only like the new startup culture. We also see the, you know, the old companies are also, you know, addressing issues in a smart, clever way and actually making you know, business out of it. If you assume that you have um, all doors open and all resources available, what would you then innovate or change? You know, it, it drives me crazy when I see so many organizations not using the potential that's there. And sometimes I think it's just 
we don't build system like we don't build structures that really take into account us as human beings you know there are so many i see so many organizations where people they don't flourish they don't thrive we don't take into account what you know we sit in meetings and we we don't talk for real we don't show respect to each other we don't meet it's so much other things that comes in between and i i think i would start with that like a revolution and making business more humanistic that would be like my number one thing mm. like go beyond some kind of a professional theater and just get to the core of things and and engages yeah human beings even if we have a professional role but still more yeah. like between humans yeah mm-hmm. but I, you know and i think for example the, those um, studies that we tend to refer to a lot but you know just when google if, uh, using this example that's always used but you know what is the most important thing to make a team function well number one thing mm-hmm. big studies and the number one thing is that people actually feel secure and safe And we've done studies now, but com- we've done compassion training interventions in organizations, public agencies, and um, on private companies, mm. profit-driven. And um, it's amazing, you know, sometimes I find like some of the public agencies that actually they're so much built on threat and people feel so insecure. Mm. And then we also see in some private companies it's so much built on like driving, achievement, mm-hmm. prestige, status. And once again, people feel really insecure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, you know, working with compassion training is all about creating cultures, of course, where you need to achieve and drive and da-da-da. And of course, where there are threats, because that's what... But we also need to really cultivate that kind of security, the sense of safety, the sense of actually... You know, being able to say something, being able to make mistakes, fail, be very human with all it is, and you know, not judge each other so hard all the time. And I, you know, it drives me crazy when I see that. That people, you know, why don't we put in more effort into actually, you know, making? And I, I mean, I see in my world, of course, is the worst. I mean, university world is terrible. It's cruel, you know, we kill each other. But I don't think people perform their best in that kind of environment. Mm. I don't think so. I think we've like, I can go into this forever, but I think we've been like, we, we're stuck mm. in this kind of, and it's not even true, you know. Mm. If you read what Darwin said or Adam Smith, you go to these people that people have kind of interpreted as they were only saying survival of the fittest or the market the invisible hand but if you read them they're actually saying you know survival of the kindest the kindest person darwin very clearly writes that the most sympathetic members mm. are those who will actually flourish most when it comes to offsprings so it's actually survival of the kindest adam smith talks about that sentiment the fellow feeling we all have But I think we created too much in business world, but also other organizations that's mm. built too much on competition, mm. on killing each other, instead of also at least 
thinking about how do we create systems where compassion, kindness, collaboration also thrives without being, and I'm not talking about being like, oh, you know, I can be really critical because I think we have both sides and I don't think we're only good people either. It's not like, I, I really think it's much more complex than that. And of course we do have lots of negatives. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the positive psychology mm. of but, but, but we should all be happy all the time. That's of course not. And that's not going to be a creative world. But so we do need to have both, you know, make room for it, except like we have different sides, but we could actually cultivate structures, organizations, cultures that where compassion, collaboration, kindness flourishes more. That, you know, if I could, I don't know if that's innovation change, but actually working more with those questions, mm. much more. And uh, awareness, yeah. That awareness, yeah, awareness is a good word. Consciousness in that sense, mm. conscious. But we all need to feel significant, but it doesn't mean that we individually only need to feel that. We need to feel it together. Uh, you know, that's so true. Uh, and again, you know, finding personal meaning through your work and other things as well is important. But if you do it together, there is a you elevate uh, mm. uh, in all senses. Mm. What do you think about trust? I mean, that's a you know a huge subject, extremely uh, timely and all that. Uh, what is it? And 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 somehow. I actually, the other month, I listened to a, a lecture by uh, Rachel Botsman. She's a, a professor and um, very much uh, dives deep into the subject of trust and what it is and what is it transforming into and so on. And he's also very much talking about trust as, you know, as any energy, it doesn't, you know, kind of disappear. It goes, mm. it takes new roots. Mm. So if we over, you know, the last... 10, 15 years, gradually our trust for whatever we call institutions mm. is diminishing drastically. Where does that trust go? How is it distributed? And to what? Mm. Into what? Mm. That's a very, I think, interesting um, question. And, and institutions being defined as today, it could be, you know, if you put together Facebook and Google and Amazon, you name it, you will have the new types of institutions we have today. So it's also um, pointing in, in that direction. Mm. Uh, what does technology do with us or to us and who do we trust nowadays and why? Mm. Including, uh, you know, she took an example of Airbnb as an you know easy example of saying that, look what technology is doing with us. We trust strangers, if you like, right? We live in houses yeah. of people we've never met. And yeah. We, we, yeah. So there's loads of things uh, also coming up that will change our behaviors and who we trust and why we don't. What is your take on, on that subject of trust? I, I love that. Uh, I haven't thought about that that way and I haven't rather... But that sounds, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating perspective that actually makes you think, yeah, you know, we always complain about yeah. uh, we're losing trust and trust in media, we're losing trust in politicians, mm. and democracy and uh, all these things. And then, of course, in society and you worry about that. I know my, my colleagues always talk about, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, building entrepreneurship and things that trust is like the key capital, really. When you, when you choose people to maybe collaborate with yeah. or, or, let's say, companies you believe in or whatever, if you, what is it that, so good. Yeah, that, that really you know, gives you this sensation of, oh, I trust them? 
I tend to trust. But then, of course, when people break it, like, for example, like if a student is, you know, tries to cheat something, that is like, it's the worst, I think. You know, I, it mm. really is it's a terrible thing because you do want to... How can they cheat? Well, they try, they don't always succeed. I think it's a lot in yourself, too. So we need to also start with building that in ourselves. I think it's, for me, it seems to be fairly... And for me, I can see it if I'm very stressed, for example, I trust less. I, you know, if I'm very, like, in a very negative mood, I trust less. One of the projects I've done at the business school is that I've been working with the contemporary circus. For many years we worked with contemporary circus and circus artists. Mm -hmm. And one of them, you know, we addressed lots of different topics, but one of them was trust and what it really takes when you trust someone, when you're an acrobat, for example, and you're flying and, you know, how somebody, how can you trust if you, and if they don't catch you? you might actually die. Um, there's this beautiful master thesis from two circus artists. They're a couple, they're living together, but they're working with trust because they're para-acrobats. So they have to trust each other mm. so much. And if she's on top and she falls, she cannot, for example, change her course of falling because then he won't be able to catch her. So she has to trust that even if she's making a mistake, that he will be there. And she can't try to correct herself. So how do you work with that? Well, mm. if there's any conflict between them, that won't work. Mm. She will not trust that. So they need to solve conflicts mm. and they really need to work like with energy again. And then mm. thinking about that too. So yeah, it's tons amazing. of, yeah, it's amazing. Tons of things totally to learn. Totally synchronized. Business is a lot about relationships. It's a lot about trust. There's so much to learn from your relationships. Once again, in life, you know, it could be with your partner or with your children or with your parents or with friends mm. or whatever. You know, learning and developing from those that mm. you can actually bring into business too. If you could give one piece of advice to uh, leaders, and I, I say leaders, you know, whatever way you want to define them, it, not necessarily just CEOs or so, but, mm. you know, real any leaders that have, you know, good, mm. a good following for a good reason. Mm. What would that advice be? If I always give the same advice and it's kind of a cliche. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> so I'm a little bit like, it sounds a little bit like a management cliche and now... There's also some gurus that have used it, but I, 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 I still like it. I've used it for many, many years in my leadership. I teach leadership at the business school too. And I always use that. I always come back to that phrase, you know, uh, there are a few. One is, uh, but they're all about the same thing. One is, of course, going from ego to echo. That's one thing I will say. That is like trying, you know, it's not easy. I understand that, of course. But, you know, trying to let the ego play a little bit less role mm. and actually think about the ecosystem and of collaboration and mm. and of course that's you know we know that from all research is like is when you don't think just about yourself but you actually think about and you give to others that's really when you find meaning in things mm. too and engage so from ego to echo or uh, there's this leadership researcher Keith the Grint say you know leaders are overrated 
leadership is not, but it's really about bringing the ship back into leadership once again. Mm -hmm. Collaboration, team, mm -hmm. post-heroic leadership every day. Mm -hmm. For me, it's, it's all about that. It's not, but it's so difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been working myself in, you know, management roles and I, yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult to let the, go of the ego in many situations. It's mm -hmm. really difficult to trust again other people. Mm. It's, um, it's not easy. But there is a big help, I think, any leader or in any position can have. And that is, if they and the people around them unite around, as you say, a meaningful, you know, why are we doing what we're doing? What's the point of the whole company, you know? what? How are we using our company or organization as an instrument to change something or make something better? And then on top of it, of course, we're making business and profit. But yep. And if they can unite around that, leadership becomes much more smooth and much more relevant and things fall into place mm. in a more uh, synchronized way. So that will be, you know, maybe one key mm. to, to how to make the leadership role easier and more important, actually. Mm. I agree fully. But if uh, you were to give advice to yourself, let's say 15 years ago or so, uh, what would it be? I wish I had, I guess, believed more in myself. I wish I had more courage, maybe. I wish I had spent the time differently, partly. You know, but there's it's so difficult because in a way I'm like I can say like I wish I hadn't stayed at my Stockholm School of Economics my whole life. Yeah. No. <laughs> For sure. But then at the same time I'm really like I'm happy I did because I think uh, we do so, so much. Oh yeah, but also because yeah. I've been so you said that before, you know, persistence. You started with off saying that and I I have on my desk I have those one little Russian dolls where yeah. there's something in the bottom that always makes it like if it falls down, it always stands up. Mm. And I have that on my desk and that has always been and I'm really good at that, like you know. People really, no, we can't do that. And then I start crying. And then I come back like a week later with the same kind of like, oh, we should do this. And that's like going on. And I'm happy that I had that persistence. So in that way, I, you know, I'm happy I'd be staying. But at the same time, it's a little bit like you get to the point when you're, you know, I'm 50 plus and I'm thinking like, yeah, I wish I had done a little bit more in my life. Uh, also because I as we started off by saying that the turning points really kind of when adding something, a kind of knowledge that really opened up so many worlds. So I wish I maybe had been a little bit more, I had explored more. I wish I had a courage to do that, but I, mm. I didn't. I, I've been struggling so much with that. Uh, and I see it, unfortunately, I see that in, among many of my students, especially many of the girls, I would say with this kind of not believing in myself and being really mm. struggling with a sense of actually not being worth. Mm. It makes me so sad that I see that among so many students, but, and not only the girls, absolutely not. There are many men struggling with the same, mm. and I'm the last one. I don't I hate, you know, doing that kind of men are like this and women are like that, but 
Um, but I do see many girls struggling with that, not believing in themselves. And they're so good. And uh, But it makes me so sad. So, I mean, maybe that's one of the answers. I mean, it's great that you're there to see that and, and help them. But in the sense that also, you know, self-love, if somebody would ask me, you know, what's the most important thing to know in life, actually, to know what it is and how to have self-love for yourself? Because I definitely believe that if you have that, mm. then you dare more also because yeah. you, you're okay with who you Absolutely. are. And, uh, and and what you want and what you feel like, and you're more in a safe, as you say, in a more safe place. And from there, it's easier than to experiment Absolutely. and do things. And uh, in a way, I'm happy that you were, so to say, stuck at the Stockholm School of Economics, because when I hear what you've done, yeah. I'm thinking, if you were not there, uh, we wouldn't probably have this this um, program that you were talking mm -hmm. about, uh, the Global Challenges and all that, uh, at this very point in time. Maybe, maybe it will happen later, but you know, is that too late then? Mm. So there's always a reason for, for I think, um, why certain heroes are where they are, even if, and, and it's, and I mean, if you're 50 or so, what does it mean? Nothing. Uh, no. You have like 30 more I years know. to go, right? Or more. My father is 90, still working full time. Oh, you see? This is another 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> you see? So there's a lot of things to, uh, and yeah. also what is experimenting? Does it only, you know, imply new things? No, I mean, you've, you've added things mm -hmm. to, to the platform you yeah. have and you've kind of experimented in that manner and all kinds of cooperations with other people in other parts of the world and mm. with all the possibilities we have now with yeah. technology we can do so much just from being where we are actually that it's, it's opening incredible doors mm. yeah so really but I think but what you said you said I don't use the word self-love but I do use the word self-compassion again mm. partly because I do mm. that kind of research maybe mm. but I do think that is uh, very very important mm. and also that kind of acceptance when you make a mistake that it's okay to make a mistake and that's mm. okay not to be but the kind of good girl mm. syndrome it's mm. it's been tough i wish i had had a little bit less on that in my life mm. i think i would have and, and still when i when i see you you know lectures and all that you're so extremely you know inspiring and super confident and you know so much and you've studied so much and so on and here you are you know saying that well you know i'm I've been thinking for too long, maybe not now in your life, but before, you know, that not good enough kind of syndrome and all that. It's it's uh, it's just worth, you know, remembering that when you see somebody who is super duper confident and, you know, is out there and so on, everybody has this moment of doubt and yeah, shadows and, and thoughts. The shadows, and so yeah. It's worth reminding oneself because it's so easy to yeah. look at others and say, totally. wow, they've made it or yeah. look how they yeah. are. Yeah. And, you know. No, and that I think is self-compassion too, is seeing yourself as part of the like humanity. And we all have that. And what happens before or after a lecture or a TV, whatever, it's so different and inside and all these darks and accepting that mm. dark sides and the shadows, as you say, too. And um, what do you think is uh, the most important thing for companies to focus on right mm. now? Mm. Well, well <laughs> it's difficult to focus on because there are so many things that you can <laughs> do. No, I think there are 
or if mm. you see them as a group of you know united mm. uh, kind of a system that is united what should they as a group kind of focus on mm. it's difficult too because it's companies is a difficult concept isn't it because there are very many different ty- types, types of, of companies yeah. Yeah. really but let's say what is the purpose of companies yeah well, the purpose for me for sure is not only about making profits i think business is a fantastic tool to create value but value is not only monetary for sure mm. then of course we need it for me that is like you know we always say that in our little research center mm. Mm. you know business is a it's a tool is a means but the end you know the end is of course completely different things mm. but business is a fantastic tool and i you know i think it depends a lot but of course that is really incorporating that because that kind of purpose or purposes i would even say there are several that is not only about profits that is something that still needs to be implemented in, on many different levels and that i think is a very important thing to focus on a way of how can companies uh, become more part of society that is the key to become mm. more part of society mm. And I think it's like it's actually addressing lots of things we talked about. It's also, I think, it's important trust once again. I think it's um, there's a book I like very much that came out this summer called The Wisdom of Finance. It's about from a finance professor at Harvard Business School, mm. Mihar Desai, and he really talks about how do we restore trust. He's, he's a professor in finance, so he talks about how do we restore trust in the financial system because that is, for example, something mm. I think that's really worrisome. And the inequalities that are created. Now, I mean, there's tons. Of, uh, we're back to trust. So that is part of it. Like, if you're going to be part of society, and you also need to understand, like, you know, this system has given you a lot in order to function. You actually you use so much from society. So you do have to give back, but also with your businesses, create value for many. So that uh, for me, that is like having understanding the role of purposes beyond only profit. Mm. That is uh, that is being part of society. But what do you think the world needs most at this time? If we ever elevate even one step <laughs> higher. <laughs> oh, the world! The world! Um, well, the world, of course, needs us to not overuse resources. That's for sure. And the world needs um, us to um, divide the resources we have more equally. Mm. I mean, it's really... It's absurd. Mm. No, it's absurd. When, you know, if you're born in Sweden, like I am, it's like you automatically, you belong to the 5% with the highest income in the world. Just by being born here, it's just like... It's so absurd. It's so, and I don't know. It's so unfair. And we, we do have. If we have this privilege, of course we need to, you know, do better. I for me, it's like it's not even a question. But there are lots of opportunities in this too. I mean, new business models, like we said before. You know, there's, you know, digitalization also creating fantastic opportunities. Mm-hmm. And that I see so many good initiatives around too. So, and a lot of people want to do. So I also see like I'm 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 not a pessimist, 
But of course, we're also we're in a hurry if we're gonna survive. Uh, one of my colleagues at the medical school also says, oh, "Humanity that is like the biggest challenge. It's like a ninety percent chance that we won't even last." So Emma, how was it to be on the podcast? <laughs> it's always difficult um, <laughs> to express yourself. I, would, I think it's easier to write. <laughs> <laughs> than to talk sometimes and also because you can rewrite things <laughs> and you can edit things and uh, it's such a process when you I mean you know that when you're writing mm. that it takes a while before you get to something like when you can read oh yeah now mm. and it's actually you can't think about it it's because you need to write it or I need to do that And, and when I talk, it's like I don't get that chance to rewrite or retalk or rephrase or reframe. And I'm not really getting to the point like I know it's somewhere there, but I don't. Expressing it is not always easy, of course. But then, and I don't. I think if you listen, hopefully, yeah. You get if you get one idea, you have to come to your own answers anyhow about all these questions. So sometimes, if I've said stupid things. It doesn't matter either because then answer the question yourself <laughs> or tell the listener that. And that is the important thing. Thank you, Emma. And thanks for sharing. To find out more about Emma and her work, you can head to Stockholm School of Economics uh, website. And also, I know that you are a columnist at uh, Duggan's Industry, the Swedish Business Daily. I actually read all your articles. I think they're always refreshing and new perspectives and new new interpretations of what's going on. I would appreciate if you share this uh, this episode with your network and friends for impact. So thank you very much for listening and until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao. Ciao.